so you have this confidence crisis, which is just self-esteem, and then you have this mm -hmm. mental health crisis, and they're happening kind of at the same time. So you want to make an impact. You're thinking about starting a business, sharing your voice. How do women do it that handle motherhood, family, and still chase after those dreams? We'll listen each week as we dive into the stories of women who know. This is Call Me CEO. Hey everyone, today we're talking about building confidence in girls. If that's something that is of interest to you, or if you're a parent at all, what are some safeguards that you can put in place to help your child with social media, how to build very clear self-awareness, grounding, and actual products that can help your child see themselves the way you see them. So let's dive in. Welcome back everyone to Call Me CEO. This is your host, Camille Walker, and here we love to celebrate women, especially mothers doing incredible things. And today's guest is extra special because she's talking with us about how to build confidence and strength of character in our little ladies, our girls that we love so very much. And our guest today is Elena Makineski, and she is a publisher and CEO. She has written the books ABC for Strong Girls, for, is it ABC for Mindful Girls as well? That one just came out. And then Correct. she also has Cursive Handwriting for Girls, which is a, becoming a lost art. I'm so excited to hear about your story and everything that has inspired you to create these amazing, amazing products and also your businesses. So thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So please introduce yourself and tell our audience about what inspired you to start this amazing business. I know you have a few, so we'll get, we'll kind of get into the weeds of that, but please introduce yourself. Tell us about your family, where you live. Sure. So my name is Elena McInesby and I have two, I have twins. I have boy girl twins who are nine years old. They're amazing. And I live in Colorado. So I've moved around the country, but currently I live in Colorado. I grew up in Massachusetts. I lived in California. I lived in Colorado. Then I moved back to Massachusetts and California. Now I'm in Colorado raising my kids. Oh, so fun. We were just saying the relationship that evolves around a twin life. I don't even know. I said that I had always wished I was a twin. So that must be so <laughs> special to be raising twins. I mean, any children are special, but it's probably really yes. cool to see them grow together and yes. sometimes differently because boys and girls having both myself, it's interesting the phases that they go through at different times. Different times. Definitely. The developmental phases are completely different. Yeah. And sometimes they're not, but sometimes they are. So I'm curious to tell, so tell us about your businesses sure. and what inspired you to do that. And I know that, mm -hmm. especially with having a girl, I'm imagining mm -hmm. that that is what helped inspire you to create these products and also to help so many other people around you. So tell us what inspired you and got you to be in that place. Sure. So <clears throat> talk her up. I mentioned I have the boy girl twins. And during the pandemic, my husband and I homeschooled, which was not what we were doing before that. So we were kind of thrown into it. And we, you know, did our best. And we did a lot of research. And I had worked in publishing. So I was speaking with a lot of publishers, like, you know, I remember meeting with one publisher who I knew who created homeschooling materials. And so I was just trying to get all the information that I could. And also having worked in publishing and worked with a lot of women authors and, um, you know, women's studies. I just knew that there was a, a bit of a dearth in general 
um, around girls. So the example that I can give is that we know that girls read more than boys, and yet less than 50% of the protagonists in books around the age of six to 12 are female. So there's a little bit of an imbalance. And I think that the publishing industry has worked really hard to address that, but we're still in it, right? It just takes mm-hmm. a lot of time. So I was recognizing that as we were homeschooling. And then as we were coming out of that, now my kids are back in school and you know they're we're no longer homeschooling. We still do things at night, but generally speaking, I was like, oh, it seems like there's an opportunity here to create some materials. And so um, that's where ABCs for Strong Girls came from. There was also a period where I was learning about the confidence crisis in girls. I don't know how much you're familiar with this. Or no, the tell us. Health. I mean, I can okay. imagine the confidence oh, crisis with social media and exactly all the messagings we've had in media forever. There's been exactly. so much being shared lately about, you know, Britney Spears. I don't know how up to date you've been with her in her book that recently came out. And she talks about how in interviews, people would blatantly speak to her about her body and her breasts and her sex life. And those things wouldn't fly, thank goodness, as much today. But that's the generation I grew up with. I mean, I was 12 when baby hit it, baby hit. Oh my gosh, I can't think of it. um, Hit me one more time. Yes. Yeah, that's I was 12 years old when that came out. So I think that it's really interesting that that was so normal in media. And yet we are still like reeling from that, even as the mothers now looking at our own children and going, okay, this needs to change. So yes, yes, confidence, but now we have social media. So it's like, in it's getting worse, right? So I think we all are, oh, it's getting better. It's getting better. And I I kind of felt like that. And then, so you have this confidence crisis, which is just self-esteem. And then you have Mm -hmm. this mental health crisis and they're happening kind of at the same time. Absolutely. Thinking about all that, right? I mean, I have some, you know, statistics here, like there was a research study done, and this is teenage girls, but depression was twice as high in Mm. teenage girls than it was in boys. And that was coming out of the, I think that was 2021. So there's, there's just things happening where it's like, what's going on? We thought we were addressing this. And yet here we are, right? So, so there's a little bit of like, you know, there's this one book, I'm going to blocked the title but essentially it was like when you turn I'm 43 I'm about to turn 43 when you hit your 40s there's a moment where you're kind of looking around like where are the adults who's going to do something and it was like oh my gosh Mm. I have to do it I'm the one that has to do it right I mean of course there's many people who are going to do it but I think that you know when you're in your 20s and it's like okay well someone's going to work on it or we've done a good job but I don't know I think we still need to keep yeah. At one point at that baton is handed down and yes, some, you know, for exactly. some of us, we get a latch on it sooner than later. And yes. it's, it's part of it. It's like, we're in this, we didn't necessarily make it, but we have to try the best we can to fix it. To so I think that, it. yeah, exactly. Yes. And you're right. That can happen some, with some people early on and, and later, but I think when you become a mom, I think it mm-hmm. becomes really clear. Yes. There's a mirror that gets held up because <laughs> you see reflection of what's happening in the media in your child's eyes and to speak as a mother of three sons and a daughter Mm -hmm. mental health is one thing that not only girls struggle with in fact there are things that boys have struggled with in my home that my dad or my husband who is the dad has said I never thought as a dad of boys I'd be having my sons worry about xyz which traditionally could have been you know stereotype is something that only girls worried about, you know, whether that's like self-image or, or body or, you know, being left out or whatever those things are. But at the end of the day, it's all of our kids. So I think that this applies to to everyone, you know, if Mm -hmm. you're a parent, this applies. So 
Yes, I totally But back to agree. girls. Yes, let's talk about the Well, girls. and you know, I mean, and to your point, though, that it applies to everyone. So social media, I mean, we know that it affects boys and girls. I think it probably affects girls a little differently. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the climate change and political upheaval. I mean, there's so many things that we've lived through that's so hard. It feels to, heavy. It, it feels, feels heavy. heavy. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so there's a little bit of like, how can we, how can we flip the script a little bit and change yeah. that? Right. So it doesn't feel so heavy or so that kids have the tools to deal with it. And so one of the things in doing a lot of research and reading and talking with people is that the earlier on we can talk to our kids, right. Even though it seems like big, heavy topics, just to mm-hmm. kind of give them the tools of like, okay, can you identify your emotions? What does that look like? Like, so that was a driving force of ABCs for Strong Girls and ABCs for Mindful Girls. Um, Writing, we know that journaling and putting pen or pencil to paper helps to process our thoughts. So, of course, there's room for, you know, right now technology is enabling us to do this and we can type away and teach our kids. But there is something we know from research Mm -hmm. and science and academia that um, that does work. And so just kind of trying to put all those pieces together to try to do my little part of it, you know, with my gifts and my abilities um, is how Talk Rep came to be. Yeah, I love that. I think that that is really important. I actually shared on social media just yesterday about how I started journaling at five years old mm-hmm. and I realized that it helped me. I never was in therapy as a child, but I really believe strongly that journaling was That's my therapy. Yes. Yeah. And that I was able to process even if it was as simple and as basic as how I felt that day or how someone made me feel Mm -hmm. or that I was embarrassed or I was excited. It's being able to connect that pen to paper and that neural pathway from your brain to the hand. There's something different that happens there within on a phone or even on a computer. So I developed a journal for parents and children to do together Mm -hmm. because it so significantly changed my life for the better. So I love that you took that the same way and said, let's make this something that can change lives. So what is it about ABCs for strong girls that helps them identify pieces of confidence and how can we instill that in our own children? Well, I think it's full. So it's the way that it's laid out is it's sequenced by the alphabet, right? And so here, I have it right here. I can kind of show you. So ABCs for strong girls. So when you open it up, like accept yourself, right? This is the first page um, and it goes through and then you'll see like B is be brave, right? C is challenge yourself. And then every illustration, there's an illustration that accompanies it. So there's girls and there's boys and animals and other things in there, but it's predominantly girls shown so that girls can see themselves reflected back in books. Um, and then each one is just, it's just a nugget. It's just two, three words, right? It's not a lot. It's a little um, saying. So like, accept yourself is what we know this. So it's like, oh, maybe a six-year-old might have to say like, mom, dad, what does this mean? And then you have a conversation starter, which is a big question I get. So I'm constantly getting questions from parents of like, well, how do I talk to them about it? Like, what do I say? Right. So how do we build up self-confidence and how do we build up self-esteem in our kids at that young age? It's real simple. They're real simple things. And you can look to the research of how to do it, but I mean, we're just thrown into it, right? As parents, you have your kids and you're kind of like just doing the best you can. And so trying to create that to your point, like so that you can kind of do it together, right? Family and children. Um, Yeah, so throughout the book, it follows a sequence and the illustrator is lovely and she does wonderful work. She's based in Europe and she's done a wonderful job of really capturing the essence. So I can show you my favorite is, and it's my daughter's favorite as well. My daughter's the QA here, right? We kind of joke like she she goes through and she tests everything before we kind of- that's important. That's so fun. Published, but her favorite is this keep your oh. cool. Oh, I like that one. That's way yeah. cool. Yeah. And for so those of you who can't see it, if you're not looking at the video, which this is available on YouTube, but it is a little girl with an umbrella 
and raindrops coming down and she's in like a lotus yogi pose on Mm -hmm. a yoga mat with like a peaceful zen look on her face right I love that and so then that's a real specific thing right that's like okay the environment around you is stormy Mm -hmm. but then you know storytelling like you can talk with your kids like oh do you ever feel like that like there's a storm around you and maybe you need to kind of manage and regulate yourself and how do you do that and is it breathing is it closing your eyes is it closing your eyes and imagining you're in a nice place, like just kind of opening up those conversations so then they can think about it and just have those little tidbits in mind. Mm. I love that because I think, and this is a term that is becoming more and more predominant and maybe there wasn't such a need for it. I think in our earlier generations, even my own, where we're having to teach our kids how to ground because we were outside more often naturally, I think, than the generations we have now and that are coming. And so taking time to stop and think, what are the smells around me? What are the things I can touch around me? Let's take some deep breaths. Let's go rock in the grass, you know, like Mm -hmm. all of those things that really allow us to feel the presence of Mm -hmm. their nature and Mm -hmm. also to calm ourselves. And I think even for myself as an adult, I have to be more aware and purposeful with those practices as well. So I love that you make that a step within it where it's like, this isn't going to just happen for you. You have to put effort into it. They're tools. Yeah. And hopefully then you carry with them to your point. Like we still need to use them. It's everyone uses them, right? We use them until we grow into our old age. And so it's just a matter of like, let's just kind of give them these tools earlier on. Mm -hmm. And then ideally, because these things are happening younger and younger, right? Like we know the confidence crisis is happening younger. We know that mental health is happening younger and younger. And so trying to equip them with the tools so that they can move forward and succeed. Can you think of a time when you were a child or adolescent and you we're feeling feelings of loneliness or um, possibly being made fun of and something that maybe impacted you in writing this confidence. That's a good question. I mean, what I do remember, I don't necessarily remember a specific instance, but what I do remember is being, I was a latchkey kid, right? So I would come home um, when I was really young, I would go to my grandmother's house. And then when I got a little older, I could go home. And for those of you, sorry to interrupt you, yes, latchkey, it means that your parent wasn't home when you got home from school. And so you were a little bit fending for yourselves where now they say kids are more monitored. So if mm-hmm. you hear latchkey, it's you came That's home by yourself. Millennial, yeah. I think the idea is you had a key around your neck. I didn't have it around my neck, but that I was didn't either. Yeah, yeah. I, but I was too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so you'd come home and you'd make your snack and you'd watch TV or, you know, do whatever it was that you're going to do. And so I would read books. Mm. So I think that's a big part of it, right? I love to color. I love to craft. I love to read books. And so one thing that I've read about and and recognize now, and we're not quite there with my kids at their age, but a lot of people are, is now kids come home and maybe they're jumping on the iPad and on social media. And so if they're getting bullied at school or they're feeling like they're isolated or ostracized, it just keeps happening on the phone, right? Because now mm-hmm. there's social media or text messages where it continues. Whereas when we would go home, like I could turn that off. I could kind of put up a wall. I could be with my grandmother or be by myself and be with my books and and try to kind of escape, right? Or maybe I was journaling, maybe I had my diary, maybe I was drawing. Um, and so trying to create those environments and recreate those environments, even if it's not, you know, for me, it was probably going to be a lot, many, many more hours than my kids will have access to just in this day and age, but just trying to continue on with that because I do think, and again, we know from the research that that's really important. Yeah, I love that. I know for me and my kids personally, we do not have them on social media. My 15 year old is on Be Real. 
And even that has been, there have been times when I'm like, okay, we need to turn that off because it's very much lets you be aware of who your friends are with and Mm -hmm. if you're there or not there there. too. Exactly. So you would never have known, right? You you would never have known. And so it's the, I even think about, man, when I was in high school and the love of my life broke up with me. Had I seen pictures of him with his new girlfriend a week later, I would have been crushed, (laughs) you know, and that's, it's something where that in your faceness of it Mm -hmm. is so different from the, what we had, where there were boundaries built around us without us having to try. So I think as a parent, it's really important for us to create clear boundaries of what that looks like. And I promise you will get resistance. I promise you will. Yes. Because as a, having a 15 and now a 13 year old, and now <laughs> my know. 10, I know because they're like, <laughs> Oh, but no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I actually just saw this advertisement just this last week where it had a, a teen girl who was looking at her phone and from the commercial, you're like, something's off. Like she looks weird, mm-hmm. at, but you can't quite place it because the room is dark. Mm-hmm. And it says something like your child may be putting on a brave, brave face, but really they're not fine. And mm-hmm. the mother comes over, she sits next to the daughter, takes the phone away and pulls off a mask and underneath the child is sobbing. Aww. And it was such a beautiful, sad depiction, real situation mm-hmm. of what we're dealing with as parents is that it will come with resistance that there mm-hmm. will be boundaries that as a parent, and what I try to rep- remind my children of is that you may not like this, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to teach you healthy boundaries so that when you do leave the house someday, you right. can remember what it felt like. We've taken full month breaks away from mm-hmm. phones when we've needed mm-hmm. to, we call them screen freezes. And mm-hmm. I even do them with my I own kids. That, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I wrote a program. Yeah, I saw it. that. Yeah. And my kids are like, oh, this is the worst. But what's interesting is that my kids have noticed, oh, mom, we're kind of fighting a lot. I think so and so needs a screen freeze. And they'll like yeah. call each other out, which is uh-huh. funny. But they're also noticing, hey, when I am having too much time on a right. screen, whether it's even video games, tablet, phone, whatever it is, yeah. our brains need reprieve. And sometimes oh, definitely. a lot of times as kids, they don't want to turn that away. It's very no, addicting. There's so even as yeah. parents, it's addicting to want to put our phone Completely. down. So yes, it takes we have very to be very aware. Yes. Yeah. And you know, now we've had it long enough. I mean, I think 10 years ago we didn't, but now we've had it long enough where there is research where we've mm-hmm. gone out and we've interviewed people in their twenties who grew up with technology and those who had guardrails and borders and really tight restrictions versus those who didn't. And both of them, the ones who didn't wish they did. And the ones who had all those restrictions are glad they did. Even at the time they didn't, right. They definitely, you know, when you're 15 years old, you don't want that. But now as they're older, it's like, Oh, this all makes sense. And they can see the difference. So yeah, it's hard as a parent, I think to implement those guardrails and those rules, but it makes a big difference. We've done the same thing where we say, okay, I mean, I remember when my kids were seven, we said no more screen time till you're eight. It was months. It was like many, many months. Right. But we were kind of getting into this, like the Minecraft immersive video games that was mm-hmm. never ending. Right. There's no end. Yeah, it's not they're like, made to be that way. Yeah. Oh, yes. And it was just, you know, as soon as we would turn it off, it was like a fight every day. And the conflict was just too much to have in our house. So mm-hmm. yeah, we did that. And same thing. Our, our kids were like, you know, after like a week, we didn't even, they didn't even really care. Like at yeah. first it was a big deal, but then they figured out what to do. And 
yeah, it worked out well. It was harder for us. It was definitely harder for us. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) You think, oh no, I'm going to have to entertain them. But what's interesting. And I feel like I'm even in this, as you're saying that I'm like, we should probably do one again. Like every so often Mm -hmm. I'm like, we should do it again. Because I think what's really interesting is that for one, they will in the beginning come to you and say, I'm bored. I'm bored. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, that's okay. That's and, so, and one thing I have said is only boring people are bored. And they hate that because <laughs> <I know. laughs> it I've like makes it put it on the them a little thing. bit. Yes, and yes. I'm like, I'm there's plenty to do. You have mm-hmm. friends, you have books, you have, you know, games mm-hmm. and Legos and all the mm-hmm. things. And, but it is a skill. It's like strengthening that muscle back up about, yes. okay, well, if I am with my own thoughts, what do I want to fill them with? If they're not being impeded upon, like, right. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you before we wrap up here sure. is if you had any advice about building confidence in girls, mm-hmm. what has been the most impactful resource or maybe response to the book that you've written that's been, mm-hmm. you know, fulfilling for you and creating these resources? I mean, I really think it's around the communication piece, right? And it doesn't always just have to be like, you know, it's not like every day at three o'clock, you have to sit down and have a talk. It's just like making sure that those lines of communication are open. So even this conversation that we're having, like have those conversations with your girls, like social media is really hard. Cause when I was growing up, you know, I would just, like I said, come home and read my books and that might not necessarily be the experience that you're going to have. Right. So again, I kind of focus on the six to 12 year olds. Um, so that you can prepare them as they mm. go in to the older ages of what to do. So that seems to be the big, the, the biggest, like, you know, I get really excited when I hear it. And a lot of moms have said to me, like, they're the best conversation starters because mm-hmm. it's just, they're just right there. And maybe some of them might be a little over their heads and then you have to talk about it. Or like the one I showed you with keep your cool, they get it. Right. And then it starts yeah. to open up conversations about maybe one time when they had to try to keep their cool. So I think really, and, you know, I have a master's in communication and I was in publishing. And so I think that that is just, you know, what is it? Um, Do you remember Mr. Rogers? Yes. Yeah. So a friend of mine recently told me that he used to say, if you can, what was it? If you can mention it, you can manage it. Hmm. So if you can say it out loud, if you can talk about it, right. Mm. It's just, it just opens that door up. And then hopefully what that does, and again, the research shows that it does, but start those conversations early on. And then as they get older, like, you know, you have a 15 year old or an 18 year old, they might not come to you as often, but they know they can come to you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. If there's one thing I've done right so far, knock on wood, it's keeping <laughs> sure those conversations open yeah. because I love that my teens can come to me and talk about yeah. the hard things. And I even just had the sex talk with my nine-year-old and it was mm-hmm. so funny last night. My husband asked me something. He's like, do you like this one or this? And I'm like, I like that one. It, I like it because it's sexier. And my son says, oh, mom already talked to me about all that stuff. <laughs> it, but it was like he could mention it in a casually, you yeah. know, like in a way. Yeah, it's a and I was like, oh, well, this is a little bit different when you it just means it's good looking, you know, and attractive. Yeah. But I loved that he just kind of was like, oh, yeah, now I know. <laughs> like now I'm in that, yes. you know. Yes. But what's really cool, I think, is that especially with that, even that same child is one of the major problems or situations that we ran into is he was having very um, big outbursts and mm-hmm. like not communicating and like kicking and screaming. Mm-hmm. This is when he was like three. Using other behaviors, right? Yes. And it, one of the very first things when we did therapy with him was learning how to identify emotions. Yes. And so this practice, especially for these younger kids, <clears throat> 
is there's a printout that you can get from the internet where it says like a range of emotions and it has yes, like, and it's colorful. We have it on yeah, our fridge. It's like 15 <laughs> faces. It's amazing. I, yes. Yeah. And you can go through and say like, what's the difference between anger or frustration or yes. overwhelm or embarrassment or scared or frightened, you know? Right. And I think that that is so, and then the practice was identifying three emotions at the end of the day, I would have to mirror that for him. Oh, mm-hmm. So for example, Today, I felt felt scared when our dog got out of the house and I was afraid he was going to be lost. And then today I felt happy when you came home from school and I got to give you a big hug. And mm-hmm. then they, after you mirror the three, then they mirror the three. And as you do that, you can also try a little bit trickier ones. Uh-huh. Like today, I felt nervous or today mm-hmm. I felt petrified, you know, that's a little bit a different word word. that nervous is different, but kind of similar, you know, anyway. So I think I just love that you're bringing this to conversation and giving tools to people, especially parents to use in their hands, because information is power. And with so much information that our kids are getting every day, it's a bombardment of information. I mean, I think I heard last week that we get the amount of information in one day that people a hundred years ago would get in a lifetime. Yes. Yes. We're just like drinking through a fire hose. Like, <laughs> yes. So to be able to slow it down and be yes. mindful and color and talk about these words and talk about confidence and how we can really settle into who we are is just so yes. impactful. I'm so grateful that you put together yes. this resource. Oh, thank you. And thank you so much for having me. I'm glad we were able to talk about all these things. It's a wide ranging, right? There's a lot to deal with, but yeah. I feel like we have to deal with it for the next generation. Absolutely. Well, please tell our audience where they can find you and your resources and help support you. Sure. So you can go to talkherup.com. So T-A-L-K-H-E-R-U-P.com. The books are on there. More to come next year. I'm excited to publish more books and and help more families. So you can find me there. And of course, you know, I'm on Instagram. Talk Her Up is on Instagram. We're on LinkedIn. We're on the socials. So just look for Talk Her Up. Perfect. Well, more yeah. power. You know, you know that a girl who creates a podcast about women empowerment, <laughs> this totally. is like right at my alley. So I'm so totally. grateful. And yes. thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, if this is your first time here, make sure to subscribe. I would love to have you be here to celebrate women and mothers developing amazing products and businesses. Thank you so much for being here and feel free to leave a comment below of ways that you help build confidence in your child. Thank you for listening to this episode. I really appreciate it. If you could please leave a comment or review or share this with someone who would benefit from this episode, it would mean so much to me. Helping to build other women and especially children is a big passion of mine. And if you want to check out my time for us journal, the link is below. And thank you so much for being here.